Here we go! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another great edition of The Hop. You are here for round 31. Gabe and Steven coming at you. What's going on, everybody? What's going on, Steven? How we doing, fam? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling a little warm. It's been very hot outside. It's too hot outside. And I'm ready to cool down. We're going up north today. We're hitting Lawson's Finest Liquids. Damn straight. Come with us as we travel up north to do what we always do. Steven? Yeah? We are grabbing a drink. Lawson's finest liquids out of Waitsfield, Vermont. Uh, we're going up. I don't, I don't know if we've ever had a Vermont brewery on the show. I think this might be the first one. I feel like round 31 is a little late just because Vermont has awesome crushable beer. But um, You're not wrong. There's a know, lot of great beer. In that better state. late than never. We are finally doing it. Uh, Lawson's it has seems- some really great offerings. And uh, we have two ones that I've never heard of. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, and it seemed like a nice segue out of Two Roads because uh, Lawson's does some contract brewing at Two Roads. So it felt like a nice, like, ease out of the Nutmeg State into whatever Vermont is. Follow the show on uh, all the social media if you're not doing that already at the HO Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, You can subscribe on YouTube, uh, get us that. Uh, customizable YouTube URL, which would be fun for you and me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, connect with the show via email as well. You can send us an email to thehopod at gmail.com if you have beer suggestions, general feedback, anything of that nature. Uh, we love to hear from our listeners and uh, keep you engaged with us. Um, but most importantly, Apple Podcasts, we'd love to hear those reviews. Submit those uh, five stars, four stars, uh, and uh, subscribe to the show on there. It's the easiest way to stay up to date and get a new episode in your feed every single week, and it is free. It's 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 my favorite price, free ninety nine. It's it's us for free ninety nine. What what could be better? I can't think of anything, so I think we should just dive right in. And what we normally do is jump into the news and notes surrounding the good old beer world. Yeah, and we're kicking things off in Oregon. Uh, this week, it was reported that the Oregon Brewers Guild co-director um, is leaving his job. Uh, his name is Tony Roberts, and he is stepping down from his position at the Oregon Brewers Guild at the end of this month, leaving Christina LaRue as the guild's sole director. They had been working side by side with uh, no plans of splitting apart, um, but this was sort of a decision that Roberts made for himself. Um, his job will not be backfilled. Uh, it's a result of financial difficulties related to COVID-19. And this is a trend that we have been seeing in the um, in the brewery industry and the guilds around the country. Earlier this month, the Brewers of Indiana Guild furloughed all of their paid staff um, and also the Colorado Brewers Guild laid off one of its two employees in April uh, after canceling two of its largest events. So it's something we're seeing um, around the country as you know, businesses are... Uh, impacted by the effects of of the pandemic. 
So Tony Roberts, uh, he, like I said, sees the move as, as providing more job security for him. Um, he doesn't see the guild folding in the immediate future, but he does say, quote, the finances are tricky. Um, he will be departing the guild and taking a marketing role uh, at, an, at a law firm in, in uh, Portland, Oregon. So uh, our best to him. But um, he did have a, a message to leave behind. And he, uh, when he was interviewed for this story by uh, Brewbound, which is where we get a lot of our craft beer news, he said, uh, the most important thing that you can do right now, you beer lovers, we're talking to you listening to our podcast. He said, the most important thing that you can do right now uh, is lobby your senators to help get C6 businesses of all stripes access to the Paycheck Protection Program. This is a problem uh, because guilds and other trade associations, such as the Brewers Association, have been excluded from the Small Business Association's protection program, which is what's keeping a lot of craft breweries going and a lot of small and independent businesses going and uh, does not give support to the Brewers Association or other guilds of that nature. So uh, if you have a direct line to your senator, give him a call. Tell him you want people like Tony Roberts to keep their jobs. Give him a call, maybe send him a text, maybe Snapchat if you have them on there. I don't I hear that the best way to stay in touch with your senator is over Snapchat. I mean, it makes the most sense. It's just it's it's just what they tell me. I I mine mine never returns my snaps, but I don't know what's going on there. I mean, I can't get a snap back, but we'll we'll talk about it. <laughs> Rosa Deloro, get on it. <laughs> uh, moving right along, Braxton Brewing is going to be taking over Three Points Urban Brewery location in Sin C. Natty, Ohio. Uh, slated to open later this summer, the location would be Braxton's first location outside of its home state of Kentucky and fourth taproom space. Uh, Braxton co-founder and CEO Jake Rouse said in a uh, release, it's incredible to finally have a location and home in Cincinnati proper. Since we've opened our doors, we have always felt we had two homes, one in Covington and one in Cincinnati. Now we actually do. Uh, Braxton was founded in 2014, is headquartered in Covington, Kentucky, on the southern banks of the Ohio River across from Cincinnati, and operates tap rooms in Covington, Bellevue, and Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. Uh, the new space will give Braxton a brick-and-mortar presence in downtown Cincinnati, and a location uh, in the Pendleton section of the city's over-the-Rhine neighborhood, so to speak. Uh, they're proud of the way they've seen Three Points grow. Um, Hickory Wald, the uh, hospitality and restaurant group that owned Three Points Urban Brewery, uh, it's turning its focus to its restaurant properties. Um, they opened two years ago and produced 672 barrels in 2019, according to a uh, not-for-profit trade group by the Brewers Association. Uh, their uh, principal, Jack Weston, said in a release, we're proud of the way we've seen Three Points Three points grow in Pendleton and even more excited to watch Braxton help this location to another level. So uh, look out for that, all you Cincinnati fans. Moving on, Duvel Mortgott, who we are big fans of. Two of their three American breweries have been on our show. Duvel Mortgott is extending their distribution to a new state. And guess which state it is, Gabe? Which state is it, Steven? Montana! That's right, it's Montana. <laughs> Dun, 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 yeah, we have a soundbite. Get over it. Yeah, You're going to hear do. it a lot. So, uh, <laughs> Duval Morcott will now be available to Montana. Uh, Brewery Oma Gang, which is in Cooperstown, New York, has been on this show along with beers from Duval, Brasserie de Achouf, Leafman's, and other Belgian breweries in the global Duval Morcott family are now available in 
Montana! And with this launch, the Duval Morcott brands are available now in 49 states around the country and the District of Columbia, which begs the question, what state do you think is left out? <laughs> I mean, the obvious answer not where I was going to go with that. <laughs> what are you going to say? I was going to say Alaska. That, it seems like, I, I was thinking of like Alaska or like Hawaii or something. I hope yeah. that they made it to Alaska and Hawaii and left and not Arkansas. Arkansas. I just, how funny would that be? But Montana somehow made it first. Um, well, they need something. There's nothing there. Boom! Montana! <laughs> I, I, I apologize ahead of time. The initial wave of products uh, includes Duvel, Lachouf, uh, Gutenband, and Maritsu Trippel. I'm probably saying that wrong. It's it's Belgian. Uh, Brewery Omegang's portfolio in Montana will be represented by the Neon Rainbows, by the Three Philosophers, and the Hennepin, as well as the Rosé Cider, and several other limited and seasonal releases throughout uh the year so congratulations montana you have a new beer and i'm here to tell you it's delicious tis indeed i can uh, also attest to that and finally uh for all the people still riding the connecticut train quote unquote uh east rock brewing company is expanding distribution statewide in good old ct um they announced that it is partnered with the craft beer guild of connecticut to permanently expand distribution and they are covering the entire state as someone who has been to east rock um this is very exciting um they specialize in uh german inspired lagers so to speak um and they are going to be everywhere they've got really good offerings um they have been quoted saying, when we started less than two years ago, we wanted to control our own destiny and message in the marketplace. This led us down the path of self-distribution, and we found great success in New Haven County and parts of adjacent territories. In order to continue to grow, we had to choose between investing in logistics or investing in capacity, quality, and brand building. So good for them. Uh, Co-founder Tim Wilson echoed those statements. Uh, Our expertise lies in brewing high-quality German-inspired beers, especially our lagers. Uh, They've got, like I said, they've got a lot of uh, good stuff to offer, and uh, you will be able to get them everywhere in Connecticut. And honestly, I feel like Connecticut beer, it's only a matter of time before it's in the neighboring states. You mean this this place specifically? East Rock Beers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's only a matter of time before you can get them a few other states. But for right now, CT. All across CT. They are a pretty unique operation because, like you said, they do focus on German-inspired beers, which, you know, which typically means lagers. I mean, the majority of their beer is uh, lager, bottom fermented, takes longer to brew. And they say that, that it does, you know, it's a lot of more work kind of and, and a longer wait to get those right. beers, which is a sort of a, a more of a niche market in the craft beer industry um but it does make them unique and uh yeah this choice allows um they had been self-distributing up till now and now they're gonna be able to hand that off to somebody else so they can continue focusing on making great beers and uh their brands for distribution will include the pilsner the east rock lager uh which is a munich style hellas the vienna lager and the vice beer in addition to their seasonally available gozas and lagers Look out for them, but in the meantime... In the meantime... Let's go up north. Take a journey with us, won't you? And let's get some jazz up in here so I can hit us with that toast. So, Vermont, Lawson's, you think of pine trees, the outdoors. I do. So, I got a little outdoorsy with the toast. 
Great. Let's uh, let's take that crunchy granola hike through the woods. Come home to the forest, where time goes slow and the breath is mellow, where thoughts find rest and calm comes to nest. Come home to the woods to be friends with trees and listen to the breeze, to wander through trails and mend your sails. Come home to nature, where your heart is hurting or your soul needs healing. When something feels wrong or you just need a place to belong, the forest awaits. Come home, be healed with a beer in your hand. Mm. Did you add that last part? Maybe. It fits, though. I, that was so like, that was like being bathed in a... Power through. Go ahead. <laughs> it was like, I want that, like, it was like this tranquil, it was like having like uh, one of those little waterfall things playing in my room. I know. Yeah, we should have had waterfall playing in the background, but that's not how we do. So, too bad. Y'all are stuck with jazz. Oh, let's do it. Okay, let's drink some beer. then folks lawson's finest liquids uh you may have heard of them for their sip of sunshine one of their most uh famous and most popular options as well as some of their session beers we are drinking some off of the road less traveled as it were yes uh we are not drinking the sip of sunshine we wanted to kind of expand and go with some of the beers that maybe uh listeners don't really know a lot about i know specifically for me these two beers we've got are the first i'm hearing about it so um we want to kind of go off the beaten path what are we drinking first so we have their app gap saison uh this is a belgian style ale uh it was it is 4.5 percent abv uh beer advocate has it at an 87 untapped has it at 3.78 the brewery describes it as having a slightly spicy character fruity yeast driven esters and an effervescent dry finish and homage to our mountain Gateway to the Valley. Homage. We are drinking it out of, uh, poured out of a 16-ounce can, which was canned on July 10th of this year. So that's pretty damn fresh. That's, yeah. It's pretty damn um, new. Right off the bat, uh, we are looking at a very clear, very light, light golden yellowish color, uh, classic beer color. Uh, the SRM chart is very, very low. I would call this maybe a four. Yeah. Yeah, four looks about right to me. It's a. It's I can a, see you through the glass. Yeah, very clear, no <laughs> haze whatsoever. Um, straw yellow. Yes. Uh, it poured with about uh one inch of white foamy head. Re- uh, receded fairly quickly. Yeah, went away kind of quickly. Uh, some pretty good lacing against the uh, sides of I'm, the glass. I'm not seeing any lacing at all. I mean, it's oh, okay. I'm getting some on mine. It's dripping down very. You know, it's whatever's left of the foam is lingering for a second, but then it drips down pretty quickly. So I'm not seeing a lot of lacing for me. Um, on the nose. Okay, yeah, this is what I wanted to mention. It smells very yeasty. Yeah, very yeasty. Those yeast esters come through. Yeah, but it's, I don't know. I feel like it's definitely got the straw hay smell to it. Like, I feel like we should be drinking this 
in a barn in Vermont with flannel on. On the farm with our farmhouse ales. It's okay. It's uh yeah, you get the the Belgian sort of things that you yeah, expect maybe some 100%. some banana maybe. It's not as fruity as other Belgian beers I've uh I've dipped my nose into. Uh, it's um a little bit spicy, but I think the yeast esters and the um kind of like you said the straw hay the malt character, I think, is it's it's very very forward, yeah, and it it, it definitely paints a specific type of picture um, in the nose. Some uh, right pepper, away. some lemon, um, maybe a little bit of like green apple, but it's very Bread. subtle. Yeah, multi grain. Yeah, sandwich. Multi grain or multi grain? What did I say? <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't either. I don't know either. Uh, All right, let's let's drink this. Here puppy. goes nothing. Oh, taste follows the nose. Big time. The the peppery nature of it. Oh, yeah. It's almost like I cracked some black pepper into there. That is very peppery. Uh, That's like weird. I'm tasting more of the spicy pepperness than I am of the bready yeastiness, you know? I am tasting, yeah, I'm tasting a lot of the spice. I'm tasting, um, I am tasting the yeast and stuff. What I'm not really getting, honestly is a lot of the fruity, florally things that I was expecting to get. I was expecting some pear, some banana, some, you know, lemon. I'm not getting a whole lot of that. It's... It's very Belgian style. Oh, yeah. Like, it hits you over the head. Um, But, yeah, I'm not not getting a complexity. I'm just getting a straightforward... you know, everything we've kind of been saying, the the yeastiness to it, the the little bit of spice. The spice for me is in the back end, like it's after I swallow it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I get it on the back of my palate. Um right. but I'm just I it's it's um definitely uh medium bodied. It's got a, a definitely a, a present carbonation. It's it's kind of zingy in your mouth. It's dry. It's not bad though. It's not bad. It's simple. Zingy, I mean like carbonation, I mean. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's that's pleasant. I mean, that's what you want with something like this. Um, at 4.5% ABV, it's very easy drinking. Mm, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's Vermont, but I, I like, I want it to be a little chilly out when drinking this. Is that weird to say? I don't know why. I mean, it's the opposite of that right now. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> I am missing the fruit. <laughs> yeah. I want that. Okay. I'm, it's not even fruit. It's just I'm missing something else. Let's go back to the raging bitch. You remember it had all this, it had like all, everything that we're getting, the spicy, the peppery, mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. But it also had such fruitiness, such complexity, layers. It had, it had layers. Uh, yeah. it, you know, bubble gum we were getting off that. <laughs> we, like weirdly. Yeah. Um, and it was a higher ABV, and I know that. And that's not. That's not why I think there's something missing from this, but there is sort of a um, a flatness in my opinion, my humble opinion. I think that um, I was kind of reading someone on Beer Advocate was saying, you know, they find that with American breweries that try to do Belgian farmhouse ales, mm-hmm. they kind of fall flat. They lose the complexity that you find in a true right. Belgian, the layers of flavor like that have all this peppery, spicy, clove... All, all of that, but then they also have layers of fruit, layers of other flavors. The hops come through. Keep maybe. you interested? And this, I'm kind of just getting yeast. I'm kind of just getting uh, the the spice. I'm not getting much else. 
I don't know that I'm saying I, I don't like it. I don't dislike it. I'm just saying that it's just kind of there. It's yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I'm getting just very I, I don't even know if I can really taste any malts or any hops just because the straw and the, the hay like smell and taste is just so prominent. Um, it's it's pretty basic isn't the right word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think that that in a way, I kind of think it's that, like low key. In but, a way, I kind of think that is the right low, word. <laughs> low ABV, so I mean, it's sometimes it's going to feel that way. But I mean, we've had low ABV beers that it's been like, oh, it's not alcohol, it's not that strong, but we have like a lot of layers and flavors and stuff, and that doesn't necessarily come forward. Um, yeah, I think that I, I wouldn't even call this crushable because it's like it's low ABV. But I mean, I, you know, if you I'm 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 not like chugging it like I'm finding it. It's like, yeah, no, you have to just actually sip on it, you know? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I started to say, oh, yeah, it's crushable. And then I was like, I don't know that it is yeah, because when I'm drinking is. a crushable beer, I want something you want the that taste. Yeah, and I also want – I don't want this l- much zing, this much spice, this much carbonation even. So, right. you know, I don't know that it's it, – it is crushable. I mean, it's not going to kill you if you crush a bunch of these. But I wouldn't choose to crush it myself. Um, yeah. I, this might be like a good beer to have with like dinner just because it won't – the food won't take away from anything. It won't do anything. <laughs> it, that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> no, it'll, no, no, it'll be it'll be a refreshing like way to cleanse your palate after mm-hmm. you're done eating something because you know the flavors in this aren't going to overpower the food and vice versa. Like if anything, the food might overpower this. But at the you know if you're having dinner, you know you're probably not really thinking about it. You just want to something right. to drink. Yeah, I mean if I'm day drinking at the beach or something, mm-hmm. and this is in front of me. I'm not going to not like it. It does the job. And I don't want to sound like I don't like this beer. And I feel like I do sound like that right now. So I just want to clarify, like, this beer is fine. I don't dislike it. I don't love it either. I don't think it adds anything to the style. I think that they were trying to create a Belgian-style farmhouse ale, and they did what they perceive to be that. I will say farmhouse style ale. I want to be drinking this in a barn flannel animals around me woods, maybe a little bit of snow, light coat boots. You know what I mean? Like these guys biking off into the mountains. Yeah. Like, you know, when they got to the top of the mountain, they had a cooler and they had these beers inside. Like that's the overall vibe I'm getting. Um, it's confusing because they're they're it, biking up Route 17 in Vermont and they're biking up, but there's also a ski lift in the background. So it's like, but they're wearing shorts. So like, what uh, what season is it? I see pine trees. I'm confused by the artwork. You know. <laughs> yes, and sure. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, this is this is an option. I don't hate it. <laughs> it's uh, it's just that I don't know. I feel like uh. When you promise a slightly spicy character, yes. Fruity, yeast-driven esters, I would say yes to the yeast esters. I don't know about the fruity uh, and an effervescent dry finish. I mean, it does what it says it does. I'm not saying it doesn't, but I don't know. I just, I guess for a company like Lawson's, 
who I love so much for the Sip of Sunshine because I think that it's, again, not changing the game of what a double IPA is. It's just a really well done one, yeah. you know? But this is like, I don't even know I would qualify this as a really well done farmhouse ale. Mm. It's a fine farmhouse ale. Yeah. I don't think it's... It works. Yeah, I don't think it's particularly standout-ish, but uh, I also don't think it's... I'm certainly not looking to, like, give it away. Right, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have more cans of this, and I will continue to drink it. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is a nice, like... Uh, this this is like an after-work beer, you know? I, you, you had a long day at the office, or most of you now, long day on the computer at home, but you still got to work tomorrow. You still got to work tomorrow. You know, you will get off at five and you're like, ugh, I need a beer. It's been a long day. Grab one of these. Grab an app gap size on. I just think this is one of those beers that you can't really think a lot about because then you're going to get our reaction of like, oh, yeah, it's pretty bland. It's pretty this. It's pretty that. Eh. But if this is if you're just like, yeah, just grab me something easy to drink. Boom. This. And to be fair. Most people shouldn't be thinking this, but like, you don't need to drink beer like this. Right, this we're kind just of, crazy. Uh, let's talk about the brewery itself, though, for a little bit. Because, yes. Um, Lawson's Finest Liquids is uh, definitely um, famous in Vermont. They have a ton of beers that extend beyond. Like I said, you know, when, when I say to people, oh, we're going to do a Lawson's episode, people from Vermont or people that have spent a lot of time in Vermont, their initial reaction to that is like, yeah, Lawson's is fine, but Hermit Thrush, but Fiddlehead, but, you know, even Zero Gravity is yeah, kind of... Yeah, that's, that's what's so crazy, especially talking to your brother who used to live in Vermont. Yes. Like, you know, for us being in Connecticut, Los Angeles, New York, you know, oh, Lawson's, all Sip of Sunshine, this, that, this, that. And then your brother was just like, who was living there was like, yeah, it's just like it's old news to me. Yeah, it's so, it's gotten, you know pretty big but they have so many other options so and they are to be (coughs) they are to be respected for uh what they do in the craft beer game i mean they're crushing it up in vermont yes uh started in 2008 uh by sean and his wife karen lawson uh they started after 20 years of home brewing hashtag power couple (laughs) sean and karen crushing it um they have specialized in their IPAs, but as well as their maple beers. Um, they have garnered awards at World Beer Cup, Great American Beer Festival, uh, at two national IPA championships. Uh, in 2011, they won for their Triple Play IPA. In 2016, they won for their Super Session Number 2. They started as a one-barrel nano brewery. Uh, they have now expanded to a seven-barrel system. Uh, well, that was in 2011. Um, they have they started in a small sugar house-style shed next to their home, which is really awesome. And then in 2018, uh, Sean and Karen opened the Waitsfield Brewery, tap room, and retail store. And real quick, I just want to read their vision statement. Our customers are excited and engaged by our high-quality beer and memorable experiences. We create economic vitality in the local community through beer tourism and by providing rewarding careers with a vibrant company culture. We further support our neighbors and local charitable organizations through philanthropic giving. Sean and Karen, crushing it. Crushing it. Uh, They, as we've mentioned a few times, have an alternating proprietorship with good old Trodesy. 
good old Two Roads. You know the brewery that we never mm. talk about? Uh, Two Roads Brews, their Sip of Sunshine Dipa. They call it an IPA. They've taken to call it an IPA, but it's an 8% beer, and I still call it it's, a Dipa. It's called it, yeah. Uh, as well as the Super Session Series, number two, number seven, and number eight, all those brewed in um, Two Roads, which led to uh, that those beers being available all over Connecticut. So uh, that's... Great for us. Yeah, um, we can get it whenever we want. Lawson's beer is available on draft and in cans in eight states. That includes Vermont. What? They're available in Vermont? Apparently. Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Maine, New Hampshire, New York, and Pennsylvania. Um, and like you said, I think it's really interesting that they uh, started and they started with and remain kind of committed to IPAs and maple beers. Yeah. Which might very well explain why this farmhouse ale is just okay because it's not really what they do. It's not their specialty. Yeah. yeah. They they have quite a number of offerings. Uh, like we said, we'll get into those later. Um, but yeah, they're all kind of this based off of that uh, idea. And, you know, Vermont, sap, trees, maple, all that fun stuff in the woodsy locations, you know, it's it's easy to get that. Um, what's really cool is they definitely know a lot about this. Uh, Sean, they are both UVM alums. Um, Sean got a bachelor's in environmental science and master's in forestry. Uh, his first career was a scientist and scientist and educator. Um, and he's leading programs with the nationalist program he founded at the Mad River Glen Ski Area. Um, he is served as president of the Vermont Brewers Association from 2014 to 2017 and was an active board member for nine years. And Karen, his lovely wife, is also a graduate and she has a master's degree in public administration. So that combined with beer, I mean, you get Lawson's. Backing up to his master's degree, I would love to know. What's on the curriculum for a master's degree in forestry? Forestry. Name this tree. <laughs> All name, right. name this plant. Everybody up at 8 a.m. We're meeting at the clearing in the woods. <laughs> Honestly, though, I would be mad if I found out that some of his classes were not outside. They have to. Have they, exactly. You can't they learn this stuff in a no, classroom, gotta, in a lecture hall. You and I got to get in a theater and do some acting, and they got to hike in the woods. Damn it. And they they probably brought road beers for the woods. They brought, they brought woods beers. Woods beers. And that's what changed his life. Uh, yeah, they also have um, a tap room that you can visit. It is open. Their beer garden is open now. Um, they have, you know, you can, if you find yourself in Vermont, you can take a look at their website. I don't know that we need to go into all of the quarantine and COVID-19 restrictions. Yeah, but they've got all the basic stuff. For the beer garden, you know, you need a reservation for a table. You right. got to, you know, they have maximum hours. You can sit there, small groups, all that stuff is there. But you can go and they have what I'm looking at is the most Vermont thing I've ever seen and related to a brewery. There's like a, a picture of their, their beer garden and it's like a waitress in a mask and she's definitely six feet away. But like they're sitting at a table uh, up against a fence also made of like wood, wood like, yeah. just like trees, basically looking out over the woods. And it's just the most Vermont thing I've ever seen. And, and he's, the, of course, wearing plaid shorts. And the so. thing on the table is like a fla some sort of flower-esque thing. Uh, yeah, it's very yeah. Vermont. It's very Vermont, which is hilarious. Uh, Yeah, and I, I've spent a lot of time in Vermont. I, I absolutely have... 
a deep love for that state myself. Um, it's got some weird. It's got some pretty. It's got some great beer. It's got some unique. They're they're just. It, I I love a state where you know at two o'clock in the morning you can go into a gas station and they're still selling beer, wine, whatever. Oh, they have, and they, and the thing is in Vermont. Okay. This is just a complete tangent, but in Let's Vermont, go. if you pull off the um, road real quick because you need gas at like three in the morning and mm-hmm. you pull into some random gas station, the beer cooler is not Corona and a couple of craft beer, beer options. The beer cooler is like yeah. the, the best craft liquor store I can find in L.A. That's every liquor store in Vermont. It's insane. It's every gas station. Yes. That's, yeah, that's, that's how you know, like the state is doing well when they're like, you know, this specific beer I have to travel for. It's like, I just went to the, I just went down the road. You to the went gas to the station. gas station and you're picking up pint cans. Also, of, who's getting gas at three in the morning? What are you driving for? Where I are was, you going? I was there. I was, wor- oh, don't worry a, about there's it. There's a story here. <laughs> don't worry about it. Oh man. Uh, but let's let's get another Lawson's beer because yes. uh, we have another one that I'm excited about, and uh, and we'll 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 just keep doing what we always do. Let's that, that sound keep okay? this train moving. Next up on our journey of Lawson's finest liquids, the space in between with passion fruit. <gasps> uh, this is a hazy, dry hopped, quote undefined ale. Uh, the space in between is, uh, and uh, this iteration has passion fruit with it. The brewery says this is a special edition featuring passion fruit puree. With a depth and form unclear, this hazy ale resides in the space in between styles, brewed with oats and wheat, a hint of tartness, and dry hopped with Galaxy and Nelson Sauvin. Uh, it clocks in at 5% ABV. The IBUs were hard to find. Uh, it's a little bit new for Beer Advocate, so we don't have a rating from them. However, the original uh, space in between, the one without Passion Fruit, does have an 89, untapped 3.74. I don't think I've ever had an undefined ale. I don't know if I have either. I'm excited. And I'm waiting to find out what differentiates this undefined ale from a session IPA. Correct, yeah. Because <laughs> that's what uh, it seems to be. 5%, you know, you think that. Um, very hazy, uh, very oh, yeah. not, un, can't see through it. Uh, got that yellow, very, very dark yellow color, uh, SRM chart. We're looking at a seven-ish, maybe? Four or five, yeah, somewhere four, around there. Seven. How high can Gabe's voice go? Oh my God. <laughs> um, no one wants to hear that. I poured the entire beer in this glass, so I can't it's tell if right it has, at the broom. I can't tell right. if, tell if it has lacing or not yet. So to be continued. It had a good bit of again uh, ivory white foam uh, receded pretty quickly, and I'm gonna take a whiff. Hops, hops, hops. Very earthy, very hop forward, hop driven. But yeah, you get some sweet. You definitely get you definitely get the fruitiness. I'm yeah. definitely getting the passion fruit. I'm, I'm getting definitely the, getting I'm getting the tropical notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the hops are there. I mean, you can smell those galaxy, those Nelson Sauvignon. It's hops. like this is a weird way to describe it, but it's like playful. 
it's very just like, ooh, it's it, you think it's one thing and then there's mm-hmm. something else comes up and you're like, oh, all right. It's it's got a lot going on though. It's very complex. Yeah, I don't I don't get a lot of uh tartness on the nose. I was kind of expecting or, or wondering if there would be any um sour, any tartness to it. I'm not getting that on the nose. Um, but I am getting definitely the hops and the tropical fruitiness. It's not citrus. It's not like orange grapefruit so much as it is. Yeah, like I wouldn't. I wouldn't say citrus. It's, it's pomegranate. More, yeah, it's more of those fruit. those other. Maybe a little bit of pineapple. I don't know. Mm-hmm, we'll a little see bit. how the night continues. But the the nose to me is subtle. I mean, I don't. I don't. Yeah, it's not overpowering. It's just the first thing I smelled was hops. So I yeah. was like, oh, okay, interesting. Um. Let's clink, but let's not go let's too clink cr- so, so we don't spill it over the computers. Andiamo. Well, the tartness is definitely there. Whoa. In the mouth. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> that whoa, is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's tart in there for sure. Um, this is like the cousin of a sour. Yeah, I don't get. It's funny because in the nose, I took, I got the hops right away. I'm not getting a lot of hops. I'm not getting hops at all. Um, I'm getting passion fruit, pomegranate, uh, a lot of that like bittersweet fruit. Yeah. My tongue is bubbling. But I kind of like it. It's, it's got flavor to it. It's not Mm -hmm. just like, it's not just like, you know, oh, it's got a lot of this and a lot of that. And it's got a lot of bite. It does have some bite and it's, which is surprising for 5%. But it's it's very it's very f- flavor forward on the mouth on the nose it's very hop forward so it's interesting to see that dynamic yeah it's uh and, and flavor forward and fruit forward yeah um, berries you know obviously passion fruit but raspberry boysenberry bear- like, no I'm kidding <laughs> blueberry uh some even some some citrus there Melon. even some lime some little bit. Uh, herbiness um the hops are there but they're deep in the back like i get them on the back of my palate in the back end Um, i I just i'm so surprised the like effect it has on the tongue like it's very it's like bubbly it's it's very i would say medium high carbonation you know what i mean yeah i would say it's a pleasant carbonation yeah it no it absolutely you know like it's just like i just wasn't expecting that uh this is Light ish bodied in the mouth, it's very flavorful, luscious, kind of fills, uh, satisfies all your taste buds. It's a little bit dry. Um, it's it. the more I drink it, the more I'm getting lemon. Yeah, it starts the bitter starts to fade in now after yeah. the initial hit of the, yeah. the tart and the sweet fruit. Um, it's definitely crushable. I mean, we said it's five percent. Um, do I think of this as an undefined? Ale. I don't know. Um, like I said, it's it's weird because it's got properties. It's got all the ingredients of a session ale, but it's got properties of like a sour. Yeah, I guess it, it, it is kind of tart. I guess it is kind of. I would be very intrigued to try the version of this that doesn't have passion fruit in yeah. it. Yeah. Because that one, I think I'd be interested to see, does that one have any tartness to it or not? Is that one more of a classic session IPA? I was just about to ask. That one's just a classic IPA, right? I mean, it's everything that this is without the passion fruit puree added to the batch. So, I mean, they're brewing it with oats and wheat in the grain bill. So, uh, you could 
say that adds to the haziness. And maybe, it's very I mean, fresh. Uh, my uh, beer was canned uh, June of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's very it's very I, they say hazy dry hopped 100 percent. But um, I would love to I, I, I feel like this would be great to get on tap at the brewery. Mm, yeah. Like fresh, fresh rather than in a can on in the fridge for a little while. You know what I mean? Yes. It's uh, I mean, everything's better on tap, but um, true this, you know, and also I'm wondering if we picked the wrong kind of glass for this. I almost wish it was in like a tulip glass or something with yeah. a little bit of uh, to let the aromatics. We, we have out a little the classic bit. pint, uh, pint glasses. Um, yeah. I, I feel like, if if I had known, I would have probably picked something else. Maybe even the the little chalice. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I mean, uh, it, I I really like this. I, I do mean, too. You know, it's 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 exactly what I feel like the farmhouse ale was not doing. They're taking a style that we all know and love, the session IPA, and they're doing so, they're adding a little bit of a twist to it. They're just they're pushing boundaries a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. They're giving and again, you know, Lawson's is known for. IPAs uh, and maple beers much more than they're known for farmhouse sales. So maybe that's why. But this is uh, definitely a version of the Session IPA that I don't have everywhere and uh, that is really pleasant and summery. Yeah, this is I, this is a good summer selection. Um, I, I, I don't know if I could picture this anywhere else uh, season-wise. But um, yeah, this is... Uh, this is a nice summer selection, um, and it's got the the fruit characteristics to make you want more. You know, you I keep I keep finding myself like I need another sip. I need another sip. If you don't like uh, that fruit type, like the passion fruit and uh, pomegranate, and sort of the dark berry, um, you may not like this because I do like mm. it. Does the bitter of that does kind of hit the back of my palate. Yeah, and I feel like as beer drinkers, for us, we're kind of used to it and we kind of recognize it. But if you're not used to the bitterness, yeah, I don't know if you would love this. Like, if you're looking for, you know, a strawberry sour. This is... This in, isn't... This it, is a little bit darker. This than is that. in the family. It's in the family. It's the second cousin twice removed that you only see once every three Christmases. Like, if you're if you're a red wine drinker, I think you might like this. Interesting. Uh, if, you're a, if you're a Pinot Grigio drinker, I don't think you would. Does that make sense? If you like sweeter, this is not sweet. Yeah, this... Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I would agree with that. This is... Definitely got some sour to it, but it's just not a a, a sweet. Beer. I hear what you're saying. I feel like if I if you were looking for wine like enthusiasts, if you like swear by wine, I don't know that you would like this. Yeah, I I mean I'm not saying. I, I hear what you're saying though. It's very like yeah. sp- specific. Um, and as now that we've taken a couple sets, as for the leasing, um. Got it's some there. good lacing. It's uh, sticking to the side a little bit. The foam is coming down, and then like the rest of the liquid kind of follows. But uh, yeah, a it's sticky. Uh, yeah. It's got some, but this beer can hang. I got to be honest. I expected to kind of drink it and be like undefined ale. This is a session IPA. 
But I mm. my expectation my expectations were mm. incorrect. And that's why it's always good to go in with as open mind as possible. Because um I didn't I had no idea how I would feel about this beer really. I see my plan was to to, to drink it. Okay, and I mean we, it's and then we talk about it. Uh, I and then I, I didn't I, uh, Mike help Exclamation point! Reset the momentum. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes Mike just sometimes needs to make it. Sometimes he's there in celebration. Sometimes he's just there to help. <laughs> I mean, also yes, you're seeing our process. It's fine. Um, uh, tours are held on Fridays at 5 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 and 5. Uh, you can sign up in uh, the retail shop the day of. There's a 10 person limit per tour, but. The tours, uh, from what I read about, are really, really dope. Uh, I believe they give you tour beers along the way. You get to learn about Lawson's operation, and uh, you get to learn a little bit more about the fine people who work and provide there. Uh, yeah, and some of the beers that you can get at Lawson's, I mean, they have a, you know, a ton, obviously, that have been around, like we said, since 2008, so they have uh, quite a lot to offer. We've mentioned their Sip of Sunshine. We've mentioned... Um, their session series they have the uh the double sunshine and the triple sunshine uh they also have um they have you know me i always slide down into the special brews so i like to look at you know they have a triple sunshine ipa aged in tequila barrels they have a maple imperial stout aged in mad river distillers rum barrels they have a uh they have a pilot batch IPA. They have a whole bunch of IPAs, actually. Um, they have a they have a beer called Chinookard. Chinookard. I'm pretty sure I've had that. <laughs> the Lawson's Maple Nipple. Maple Nipple. And I will have to say, it is very, very good. It's very maple forward. It's got all the spices you think are in there, so highly recommend. Um, but yeah, they've got a lot of great selections. And if you go to the site, you can check out all of those. Um, a lot of their... Offerings are from the vault, uh, well, as they call it. So I, I don't think, know. I think that that means they're retired. Right. I don't believe they make them anymore. Yeah. But I'm seeing maple this, maple maple imperial stout, maple imperial stout, well, like they, maple wheat ale. Like they've got a lot that of I've had the maple triple. And I've had this because I had it at Did the it, Vermont Brew Fest the year before we went. Yeah. I went. Did it knock I, you on your ass? Like, how strong is it? Yes, it's 12% ABV. Sheesh. And it was a, uh, it, they call it a once a year beer. So I, I don't know if they do it year after year. Uh, brewed during sugaring season, 100, 100% maple sap. Wow. No water added wow. to that. So, you know, the ingredients in beer are barley, hops, yeast, water. and water. But they took the water and replaced it with maple sap. Oh my God. That's and I've awesome. had that. I've had other breweries do that and it's gross. But this <laughs> beer is so uh, high ABV that it actually worked. Right. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've got a ton in there and, you know, a ton of stuff that they're brewing now. As so well they've as got stuff. they've got their session lineup is super session and they got numbers. I'm looking at number two. Number four, six, seven, and eight, which begs the question, what happened to one, three, and five? <laughs> I, what are we doing here? But we'll talk about that later. Um, they've got, you can order beer to go. They've got packaged beers and the like. Check out their website. They've got all of that, and it's really awesome. Plenty to check out at Lawson's. Great brewery uh, and um, 
uh, just just uh, excellent brand. Uh, their sip of sunshine is amazing. You know, if you if you like IPAs, check it out. But they have plenty more to offer that you probably haven't heard of. I hope this episode yes. has given you a bit of insight into that. So uh, get your hands. Sean and Karen, uh, you know, we're very critiqueful. We've been trying to kind of be more honest on the show because you know we can't just always say we love it, we love it, we love it. We want to give our critiques, but. Lawson's in general, and especially the uh, passion fruit beer, solid, solid, really great brewery, lots to offer. Check them out and support because they are great. And they're a power couple, and who doesn't want to be to drink beer from a power couple? Am I right? And before we get out of here, uh, we're going to real quick touch on something that, you know what, Gabe, I'm just going to let you guide oh, us through yes. this because this is, this is your baby. Steven, do you like seafood? Who doesn't? Do you like lobster? Javi. Well, I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but uh, apparently the Akron Zoo in Ohio's got a new got a new uh, uh, resident. Oh, yeah? It's a blue lobster. And where was this blue lobster found? The ocean? No. At Red Lobster, the restaurant. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> So I'm not sure where we should be air horning that. Oh, we absolutely should be. Um, yeah, Red Lobster in Akron, Ohio. Um, some of the uh, employees were saved this blue lobster because they found it in the tank and they realized, wow, this is this is a blue lobster. Um, the universe. Okay, the I University of Maine Lobster Institute. First of all, what the hell is that? And how we don't do we have get, time to unpack that? How do we get involved? Um, they say the likelihood of catching a blue lobster in the wild is one in two hundred million. Uh, the bluish color of the shell is the result of a genetic anomaly. Um, if you Google blue lobster, you can see ones that are like dark, dark blue. But they, they, if you see the subtle blue of this lobster, the one we're looking at, um, it's, it's really is cool to see. Um, so the restaurant reached out to the Akron Zoo on Friday and to take, to take a place out, to place a takeout order and they donated the blue lobster. So now this lobster is a part of the Akron Zoo. And before we get into anything, my question is, have you ever been to a zoo and you've, they've been like, okay, the bear, the grizzly bears are over there, the penguins are over there, and the lobsters are in the back? No, I haven't. Why um, the hell? Like, how does that happen? I have a lot of thoughts about this. And the first one is this lobster is not even that blue. I mean, you're It's right. got blue tint to okay, it. Okay, I get it. But you're right. If you if you Google blue lobster, I'm seeing, I mean, neon lobsters. Yeah, and I'm yeah, seeing yeah. bright blue lobster. And if I saw that in a tank, I'd be like, that is not normal. This, I wouldn't. I quite honestly, like it's such a subtle blue. Like, yes, I can see a bluish tint to it, but I wouldn't uh, pick that out of the crowd and be like, that's abnormal. I would just be like, oh, it's a lobster. And then I cook it. And here's the thing if you cook it in boiling water, it will still be red. <laughs> I know. 
But that's why you can't cook it because it's rare. It I'm, would be a normal lobster if you boiled it to I wanna, death. Oh my god! I want to know what happens if you eat a blue lobster. Like, do you do your eyes? Does your eyesight get better? Like, I'm, can you swim faster? I don't know. I gotta be honest. I was excited about this story, and then I googled blue lobster while you were talking about it, and now I'm just angry that it doesn't look like all of these. Yeah, I know. All it's, the other blue lobsters are better than this. It's very. It's not. It's very subtle. This is the shittiest blue lobster. <laughs> Listen, don't don't shame this poor lobster. It's just not blue enough, and I it's it not. It doesn't blue have enough. to be blue enough. It's not. I want to know what employee saved. of the month said. Excuse me, manager, we can't eat this. We can't cook this. Also, if this was the only lobster left in the tank, and a customer was like, "I want the lobster special. I want that one," and they were like, "Oh no, sorry, you can't eat this." I just, there's a picture of the zookeeper Scott Heidler. Uh, outside the Red Lobster with like with a blue cooler, a blue igloo cooler, by the way, and he's like standing there, mask on, picking up the lobster. And I would love to have been the guy on the other end of the phone at the Akron Zoo when he had that had to yield that phone call. Hey, Akron Zoo, how can we help you? And it's like we have a blue hey. lobster. This is Red Lobster. <laughs> this is the concierge at Red Lobster. Uh, we have a blue lobster, and we're wondering if you want it. You y'all want this? Um. What's funny is the lobster has been put into isolation in what they're calling a man cave tank at the zoo before it can, quote unquote, join its new friends. Because of the coronavirus, uh, the zoo's building that will house the blue lobster is temporarily closed to the public. But apparently lobsters can live up to 100 years. So hopefully once coronavirus is over... We can all go to Ohio and visit the blue lobster that almost got eaten at a red lobster. I'm I'm not going because I'm angry that he's not bluer. So I that's a trip you can take by yourself. I want to go and I I want to meet him. You want to know why? Why? Because he's got a name. I know his name is Claude. C L A W D. Which is also the name of the mascot for the restaurant chain. Claude. Apparently, who knew they had a they had a, a name for that? Zoo spokeswoman, spokeswoman Elena Bell said a conservation partnership called Seafood Watch, run by the Monterey Bay Aquarium in California, helped to coordinate the donation of the rare American lobster. See, that means it wasn't just a red lobster called the Akron Zoo, ipso facto blue lobster. It was a there was a national coalition of people involved in this lobster there were a thousand reporters outside of the restaurant people are trying to make their reservation and they're trying to push through and they're like excuse me we need the blue lobster i just (laughs) you know i'm actually happy that in this age of coronavirus and everything else that's going on in the world there are still people in the world that are out there to save blue lobsters yeah man i listen even though it's not really that blue. It's not. I, I will say if you Google blue lobster, you'll see like the neon blue. This one is more of a, yeah, of like a, if I saw a any darker the- version, but it is blue. It's not not blue. When you put it up next to like because regular lobsters, they've got like the, the brownish orangey tint to them, you know. Like, if you put this next to a regular lobster, like, it, it would not. You would see the difference. I guess. But, I mean, I'm looking at a bunch of pictures here. And, I, like, here's one from uh unsplash.com here's one from pinterest here's one from uh here's one from aquariumbreeder.com 
Here's the, and they're all vibrantly blue, like yeah. blue blue. And then if you scroll all the way up, you just see this one not that blue lobster, and it's like, oh, that's the lobster we're talking about, Claude. 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 Well, congrats on the extension of your life and this stay of execution you've been granted, Claude. We we're we're here for th- this rounds for Claude. Raise a glass for Claude and his new home. The cans we're drinking out of are bluer than Claude. Anyway, <laughs> uh, guys, thank you once again for joining us for another round of the Hop. Uh, we promise more delightful drinking next week mm-hmm. and until then you can keep up with the show once again on all of the social medias and we will see you back here next week thank you guys so much for joining us please remember keep wearing your damn masks please cheers bye